Well, Aislinn, the autoimmune disorders and autoimmune protocol diet has been a focus in our main course at the dinner table for the last six or so weeks. So now we're coming to kind of the end of this series. The final wrap-up episode is with the naturopath that I spoke about several times Mm -hmm. during the series. LaDonna Roja, doctor of naturopathy, Mm -hmm. comes to talk with us at the dinner table today. Yeah, this conversation is really, really interesting. It goes a little longer than normal, and we don't give her her website till the very end, so I want to do that now. LaDonnaRochaNaturopath.com. Enjoy the dinner table talk. Because if we don't normally have a lot to say, today we have a lot to say. first date was me hiring Joe. I think that that's how we started together. That was kind of us too. Um, Our first like real date, I knew that that we were going to have the conversation about, oh, okay, well, what do you like to do? And, And I was kind of bracing for it because I hadn't had good experiences in the past. And so he said that line and I was like, okay, here, I'm ready. And I slid this bar of soap across the table and I said, well, I kind of do this. And he had such a positive reaction. This, yeah. this huge guy like picks up this, this soap bar and smells it. And he's like, this is amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, you're just trying to be cute. And he's yeah. like, no, I, I'm a guy and I would buy this. And I didn't realize how blunt he is at that point in our relationship. Mm. And I didn't realize that if he says that, like, you can take that to the bank. So I, I like to call that his first day. When we first got together, I was really learning a new way to eat. Because Aislinn had committed herself at that time already about restaurant vegetarianism. She didn't eat meat from a restaurant if she didn't know where it was. Mm. And there was no farmer's market yet to buy meat. And even the Southside Farmer's Market, I don't think, had a meat vendor at the time. Oh, God, no. They didn't have much of anything. So there were a lot of vegetarian meals when she would cook. And I wasn't raised that way. And I didn't eat beans. I'm happy to say I eat beans now. But that one of those very first meals she made without even knowing maybe that I didn't eat beans... Was beans and sweet potatoes? It was beans, sweet potato, and goat cheese tacos. That was like his first meal that he got from me. And, and I was like, mm-hmm. That was back when I cooked. <laughs> this <laughs> is wonderful, darling. Yeah. Then he... They grab um, a water burger on the way home. <laughs> that probably didn't happen. I was like, I want to do this thing. And I was moving to the farm. And I wanted to sell my vegetables. And I wanted to start a farmer's market. No, we ate those bean tacos here at the farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Then I, before you know it, he's like writing emails and building websites and I'm not kidding. Like he took the job. I tell him that all the time. No, you took the job. Like (laughs) (laughs) you took the job and this is what you signed up for. (laughs) I always love it when we have a guest at the dinner table. It's been way too long. Well, I have my good friend, LaDonna Rocha, Dr. LaDonna Rocha. And LaDonna and I met back at the farmer's market um, when she was making soap and she had her apothecary business started. And we've known each other all these years. Now she's here to talk to us today about some of this AIP stuff that we've been talking about. But before we get deeper into that, welcome, LaDonna, by the Thank way. Thank you. I'm so Great glad you're here. here. Thank you for joining us at the dinner table. People wanted to answer the question about what do you do when you're sad? Yeah, those random questions of the week at the end of every episode. LaDonna, I hope you'll stick around and do one with us today. Of course. I put them up on Facebook if they're really interesting. And I thought this one was. How was it phrased? If you're sad, what do you do? What is the thing that you do when you're sad? 
What do you do to make yourself not sad? Doug <laughs> wrote on Facebook, I go for a long run or walk and just ball while moving. Post-shower, the sadness goes down the drain. That reminds me of Shrinking episode where they talked about turning music on for 15 minutes and just crying and grieving and then you stop yourself at the end of that. Rev Share says, I allow the sadness all the room and attention it needs to be fully experienced. When I do that, the energy gets spent and sadness morphs into acceptance, which eventually morphs back into happiness. That is my goal, by the way. I'm listening to Rev because that's what I want to do with my sadness. I want to understand what that discomfort is about and I want to have gratitude for all of it. We're going to do unanswered questions and have some fun before we get around to asking LaDonna the very first question that I intend on asking her. What is a naturopath? Mm -hmm. But LaDonna, what do you do when you're sad and you want to turn that around? Or is that a thing that patients ask you for help with? You know, they don't usually come in and say, man, I'm sad. Man, I'm, I'm really struggling with this area. Because I, I think they don't anticipate a doctor addressing that. They usually don't show up at my doorstep because they're, they're down and out and they're really struggling with that. You know, occasionally that happens. But I think, unfortunately, our society doesn't realize that health encompasses how you feel emotionally, too. It's not just how you're feeling physically. So, it's interesting. I, I tell people when they start to kind of tear up in my office, I reassure them that almost everybody cries in this office and, and they kind of look at me funny for a second. I'm like, it's okay. It's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think you I definitely cry. <laughs> everybody does. Yeah. I, I think maybe in a week, maybe one person doesn't cry. And so being very empathic towards that and, and being able to kind of feel that too, it's okay, you know, let's accept it. Let's acknowledge it because that's life and that's normal. And it's okay to be sad and it's okay to be frustrated and all of these things. And I, I think as we move through stages in health, you're unlocking things. And, and so those mm -hmm. things will bubble up and sometimes it's really unexpected for people. And, and I think it's really critical that that be handled in a way that honors it, but doesn't tie that tag to you. You're not sad all the time, every day. This is a very temporary thing. And, and I think I explain it that way and treat it that way because that's how I look at it. Um, as emotionally in tune with, with situations and, and things like that as I am by nature, I, I joke that I go deep and dark whenever I do get upset. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very, very upset for about 20 minutes uh -huh. and then I'm okay again. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It's That's like the thrill of being an emotionless robot like myself. <laughs> I relate to what Kelly wrote on Facebook. I go to the kitchen and cook a long prep meal yeah. that requires lots of chopping and prepping. And as I do this, I play my favorite music and just process all the feelings. See, I, I do this. This is me. Yeah. I, I let me know when you're sad next time and I'll come over and like push your buttons a little bit and be like, what are we having for dessert? Have you thought about this lately? <laughs> well, why are you pushing my buttons? Let me just uh, sit in my chopping and prepping. Perfect. Yeah. No, I'll turn on Alexa, uh, turn on some music. And Aislinn's, you, we're usually not, you're not in the kitchen with me usually, especially yeah. when we're doing a real long meal. Yeah. Like we're about to talk about a thing that was several phases. Prepping uh, and all kinds of stuff like that. Right. I'm usually finding something to do outside. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but with that music on and being able to focus, hyper-focus on specific tasks yeah. like chopping the carrot faster because I'm trying to get better at all the skills uh, yeah. and then trying to keep the kitchen clean as I go a little better than I used to. Yeah. That's nice, by the way. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's processes. Yeah, and yeah. I, it, I guess that's distraction if yeah. you think about it. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like I'm being useful. And then finally, John's was good. I adjust my thoughts and mind to the right side. It helps to take a shot of something while looking to the right and holding that position. If I'm depressed and sad, I find myself veering off into the left, staring off daydreaming, and it can be this crippling feeling. 
That's interesting because yeah. that's actually like taking in the physicalness of what sadness is. So it's like looking to the right. That maybe gets into a little bit of that vega nerve kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. Because so. that, that made me think of the traditional Chinese medicine approach to that. Uh-huh. And, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll have patients in and every every couple sentences it's and you hear this sign and we were taught that in traditional Chinese medicine grief holds up in the lungs and so uh-huh. if there's unresolved grief it, every single time I start noticing man that's like the fourth or fifth time she sighed uh-huh. I'll kind of poke a little around there and be like so how's grief going like uh-huh. it, usually I'm more tactful with it than that but <laughs> what's your grieving why are you sad <laughs> so it's, how did you know yeah. and I, I think it's just even in those conversations you'll hear that you know from the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks it's mm-hmm. the whole you know people are going to talk about what they love and so it's you can usually kind of figure out what makes them feel better and it's helpful to kind of steer them in that direction I think even for myself looking at okay well what do I, you know, when you asked me that question, I was like, gosh, well, what do I do? And I, I know as cheesy as it sounds, my, my answer is to touch that anchor and my anchor is my husband. And it's, mm. I just need him to say, it's going to be okay. Yeah. I know it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But for him to say that, and I was like, is that really what I do? And then I thought, well, yeah, because when I'm mad at him or we're arguing about something and I don't want to touch the anchor, I, I don't want to, yeah. to rely on him to calm me down in that situation. I, that is when I'm sad. Oh, like I'm you're really right. sad. Sad. That's a big deal for me yeah, too. You're right. Yeah. I do. T- I, so I, I'm mad at you because I can't get you to tell me it's okay now. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you, you know what? That's husband, huge. Do yes. you and your husband have your shows? Do y'all do TV? Do y'all binge this or that? I, I wish we did. I'm mm-hmm. not a TV person. Okay. Um, I'm a hands person. So I listen to the TV show that he watches. And so we uh, uh, kind of watch TV together. We have shows that we enjoy together. You mentioned shrinking. I would say our two biggest shows together right now are The Last of Us and Shrinking. Yeah. Ted Lasso starts on March 15th or around there, and that will be my number one show. I'm a Ted Lasso guy. I love that show. It makes me cry every week, and I tell Aislinn ahead of time, I'm going to be crying, so just ignore it. Shrinking's made by the same guys that put together Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. If Ted Lasso's a 10, Shrinking is a 7, I think, mm-hmm. but I'm really enjoying it. But yeah, it's like all it about grief. That's the central issue of these therapists dealing with their own grief. It's a comedy. I noticed that I laughed like every single word that was said this last week. Every like statement that was made, I laughed. <laughs> the whole time. I'm like, that's a good show. That's a good show that can make me laugh for 30 minutes straight. That's, yeah. that's yeah. good stuff. Though. With the passing of my mom recently, with some other grief based things that we learned about this week, yes. that's one. it feels like one of those shows that's here right on time. Yes, yes. My children actually lost their grandfather this past week. And so that was really challenging for them. And of course, for the Campbell family, there's a lot of heartfelt things going on in the world right now. Feels like it. Yeah. Unanswered questions. Why did we buy sardines to begin with? Because they were one of the things on the AIP, and I hadn't Is tried it. Is that why? Yeah, no, that's okay. why. I remember last week you said that sardines were a good source of well, selenium. 
Uh, I think so. They right. were like a good source of everything. Right. But whenever we were setting off and I was buying snacks, salty snacks for our trip. Gr- we grabbed a couple I, cans all of sardines. All kinds of things. And then you had made the comment about sardines. I'm going to make a sardine sandwich. That, I don't know. A sardine sandwich. And then we took and... sardines on our refrigerator <laughs> bags to Louisiana in and case we never, needed to do it. Yeah, they never got opened. Never got and I was like, let's open up these damn sardines and yeah, taste these sardines. Yeah, How yeah. was that, Aislinn? It, it, it was like eating cat food. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> I could not eat them. I popped a full sardine in I my tried mouth. So hard. <laughs> I, I knew there were bones because they're whole fish. Yeah, I, I didn't no. feel bones. That didn't Mm-mm. freak me out. And no. the first few bites, I was like, okay, this is doable. Yeah, no. But then and this aftertaste like, yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't <laughs> go away. It's like the chickens need to eat this. I brushed my teeth and it didn't <laughs> go away. Do you eat sardines? No, my mm. mom made me try them when I was a kid, and I couldn't remember if they were really gross or if it was the emotional memory of her saying, "No, you are going to try this." And I'm like, yeah, they're do gross. I have to? No, yeah, <laughs> I, I joke that there are certain foods that I haven't been broke enough to eat that yet. So There's a market I for hesitate. sardines, clearly, because they're for sale. Yeah. But I know. I've yeah. seen them like mushed up and used as an ingredient, but I, and mm-hmm. maybe, I mean. I think I could probably handle that because yeah. I know we I can handle like anchovies that anchovy have been ingredient, ingredients and stuff like that. A nice but, Caesar salad made table side where you watch them yeah, smush I the anchovies up. I can eat fish up. sauce. I can eat, I don't know, anything that has that like. Stinky, fishy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. On a completely different note. We should totally talk about that. What? Sushi that's fishy. Oh, boy. Uh, here, th- This is something I I don't actually... want to say the name of the restaurant. No, no, but I'm going to say Mr. Boyd is no longer at, at our restaurant. Place. And yeah. if you know who Mr. Boyd is, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. He's our sushi chef. He doesn't live in Corpus Christi anymore. He moved. We had said on one of the past episodes that he was moving back to where he's from. This was the best sushi. I, I would put it up against any sushi. Mm-hmm. It was so good. Yeah. And it was so good because he took very good care in where he purchased and how he purchased his sushi. And the freshness. And I, I think also he just did not serve fish that Correct. wasn't really fresh. Right. We went there the other day and mm-hmm. we he's not there anymore. Mm-mm. It was a no. No. It was a no. I will go back again. Maybe they were having a bad day. I'm not even talking like there's a degradation of quality. I expect that. Mm-hmm. This was bad fish that shouldn't have been served. And it was basically every single variety of the sashimi that we got. And I was so bummed. Yeah. Put the flag at half mask. <laughs> <laughs> Be sad, Corpus Christi. We uh, lost Mr. Boyd. I mean, he's still alive. <laughs> moving to Thailand. Yeah. Okay, on another note, yes. something that tasted great, I thought, I hope you agreed, was we were going to make an AIP approved pizza. <laughs> oh, we so did. Sp- we made Sorry, I couldn't help it. It's okay. Step one, I had to make I had to make AIP mozzarella cheese. This was a whole day worth of cooking, you guys. These were the ingredients that went into the AIP cheese. Salt, olive oil, coconut milk, nutritional yeast, apple cider vinegar, tapioca starch, and gelatin. Now, the tapioca starch and gelatin I had to buy for this recipe. I have used them since. They are AIP staples. Well, you put all the ingredients except for the gelatin in a small saucepan and you whisk it on a very low heat and it begins to, it goes from liquid to, it looks like a ball of mozzarella cheese. Then when you're there, it kind of becomes hard to manage. When you get there, you add the gelatin, whisk it until it's all combined, get a bowl, right? A rounded bowl, mm-hmm. a tablespoon of olive oil, put your cheese in there, another tablespoon of olive oil, you're trying to keep it from drying out and you're going to put that in the refrigerator for three to four hours. So that was phase one. Yep. Then you make your pizza dough. 
We've done some gluten-free pizza doughs. We did a whole challenge of gluten-free pizza doughs, but now we're moving to an AIP pizza dough, a higher level of restriction. This was the best pizza dough of all the things you've tried on gluten-free, AIP, whatever. This is the best one. Is that right? It was a great pizza dough. It was crispy. It was good. It was the only dough I've ever used active yeast. This is the one, you guys. Even if you're just gluten-free, this is the pizza dough you should be using. First step. Proof your yeast. You know, you buy your little packages of yeast, little envelopes of yeast. You proof that in 115 degree water with a little bit of honey, quick whisk, set it aside for about 20 minutes, and it begins to bubble and the whole kitchen smells like beer. <laughs> and it was boiling over or bubbling over, whatever you want to call I it. I got thirsty. Then you combine <laughs> your cassava flour, tapioca starch, and salt. Combine all that. Add olive oil and a cup of that 115 degree water. 115 degree, obviously very important. Along with the yeast mixture... Mix that all up, put it in a covered bowl like you're baking bread, letting it rise mm-hmm. for a couple of hours. So, so what did you do? Yeah. made a round little pizza crust. Uh-huh. You came in where uh-huh. I had prepped all of the vegetables that we wanted to add to it. And it's all good vegetables. I mean, you can't add the tomatoes or the eggplants or the peppers, which is normal stuff you'd, I'd put on a pizza. So all that's left out. Mm-hmm. But I put Onion, onions. Mushrooms from the farmer's market. Yeah. Basil, spinach. Spinach. Also had some nice, you know, young mustard greens are really tasty for it. The sauce that you put on it was Green onions olive and onions. oil, garlic. I, olive oil with that paleo powder that we talked yeah. about. So like, all your herbs, basil, any of that you would want to use. a big bunch of garlic. Yeah. If I had no tomato sauce still, I could have used that as my yeah. red sauce yeah. base for a pizza. But that's not how we do pizza at home anyway. It's right. oil-based. Right. You said you might use a little bit of oil, yes. more oil my, next time. My Really, my only complaint was I didn't put a ton of stuff on it because I was afraid the pizza wasn't going to stay crisp. The first time we've done it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that I made a mistake. We needed more vegetables on it because mm-hmm. normally if you got a tomato on there, it's going to have a little bit more juice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, eggplant, peppers, all those things are going to have a little bit more juice. So I think that it needed a little bit more. The cracker crispiness of the pizza was a little bit too cracker crispiness. Um, it wasn't quite uh, enough of the, the, the soggy soggy that you want. Also, the cheese, it you cut it, it's not grateable. Right? Mm. So you cut it into chunks. It very much acted like a ball of raw mozzarella that you'd buy at the grocery yes. store. So but you can't really run that through a grater. It's as nice. It's definitely more of a Thinner gelatin kind of, right? But it tasted so, like mozzarella cheese. Yeah, no, the flavor was excellent. And you, I think we would just cut it up into smaller pieces and spread it a little bit more mm-hmm. on the, the pizza. Well, I've got a second pizza crust in the freezer. So whenever we're ready to make more mozzarella cheese and go mm-hmm. again, I'm ready. I've begun using coconut wraps, and the coconut wraps are excellent. And that's a good wrap option, or you can't eat a sandwich, but you can use wraps. And I've been using that with, like, smoked salmon and capers, and I put a little bit of coconut yogurt in there. That's kind of a delicious way to make wraps. And also put some spinach or some mustard greens or whatever in it with it. Well, you had mentioned making quesadillas. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting here thinking that we could take and make, like, a, a taco quesadilla type thing with the cheese and some kind of, like meat and some fresh greens on top that sounds like a fun weekend project yeah next time okay let's try that i think it's time Ladonna. what is really seriously come on you can do better than that (laughs) come on a naturopath it's almost like to define that you have to unlearn what people 
think it is. Mm-hmm. So there's it's it's become this loose conglomeration of oh well they they do all these different things and I think the reason for that is because when you go to school for naturopathic health or naturopathy, um, you're taught kind of all the basics of all these things, and then they I, I told people that you know you get to the end of the program you you pass all your tests you know all your stuff and they release you into the wild and it's like okay, well, what now? Like, what? okay, you know, I know all these things, but, uh, you know, when I first started out, I was like, okay, well, I, I don't want to just do a little bit of everything and just be like, eh, okay, you know, kind of an effective doctor. That's not really the goal. So I think for me, I started looking at, okay, well, what by my definition is a naturopath. So really looking at that is, you know, somebody who works on the entire body. Um, you know, we are so indoctrinated to this idea of a doctor being somebody who you go to and you say, oh, this hurts. And they say, okay, here, take this pill. That'll fix it. Um, and it's, it really kind of messes up what really a doctor is. Um, you know, doctor in its original format meant teacher. And I think naturopaths really have an opportunity to take that to heart and, and execute that. So mm-hmm. a big part of, of what we do is we educate. What are we educating on? If your body is doing these things and it's out of balance and man, you you weren't born with arthritis. So let's look at why you've Mm -hmm. developed arthritis. You know, what's going out of balance. Well, it just means I'm getting older and that's what happens to older people. Right. Right. Is it? (laughs) You know, I've noticed that with the more education I have, the more questions I ask. We're kind of fighting against this idea that, well, you know, we just get older and we're going to be on more meds and that's just, that's life. And Mm. I don't think it is. You know, we're looking at how our grandparents and our great grandparents lived and they weren't having these problems. And the question becomes, okay, well, why? So being a naturopath, looking at that problem on the paper and saying, okay, well, you know, I explained to my patients in their first appointment, okay, we're going to work on these things that you identified. But while we work on it with one hand, with the other hand, we're going to be uncovering things and saying, okay, well, why? How did we get here in the first place? Because that tells me what my job is. And my job is, is to find points where we need to balance. If you're body is doing this, then that's it signaling you that this isn't working. So let's give your body what it needs to correct that. Me being able to tell them, Hey, your body's capable of healing itself. And Mm. so being on that natural health side, I understand your body's doing this and and we're going to work on this and helping your body repair and regain territory and, and do what it does best because your body is incredible at being able to repair itself. Like it's insane, but also looking at, okay, well, what's also feeding this? So if you're having this happen physically, what emotionally and spiritually is feeding that? Because all three of those hold hands and we've kind of got to figure out where those links are. I want so badly to diminish the idea that the thing that's happening in your body is happening just because of the age that you are. Like well, your genetics. Well, yeah, for sure. This idea that like, Okay, well, now we have arthritis. Well, why do we have arthritis? Well, because we're of our age, you know, that we've been trained to believe, oh, because my grandmother did it this way or because this happened this way, historically, this is what's supposed to happen. Right. To me, being able to find a medical professional that has experience. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit with you too, is because I've known you before you got your doctorate and I want to know how did you get interested in this? It depends on how far you want to go back. (laughs) 
Um, I, I was, I always joke that I was kind of an odd kid. Like I remember being four and being in the backyard and taking apart the, the cottonwood pots. And I'm like, man, I can, I can make thread out of this and I can make medicine out of this. And I'm sure as the oldest of five kids that kind of made my mom nervous mm-hmm. because she was pretty sure I was going to poison one of the, the <laughs> siblings. Um, and f- funny part is, is two of my three living siblings come to me consistently for health things down. I'm like, ta-da, didn't mm-hmm. kill anybody. Mm-hmm. I've always been drawn towards that. And I think it didn't make sense to me until I was actually in the field and actually practicing as, as a naturopathic practitioner that I understood the difference between career and calling. And I think that was really big because, you know, I got into surgery and I, I specialized in neurosurgery and I loved it. I loved the people I worked with. I loved doing that job. A little bit of me loved the, the, um, the risk and that you better do this right or else and being able to do it right every single time because of the people that I worked with and, and the skills that I had had collected through my education. But there was still that soul part missing. And it's, I think you can be technically good at something and good in your career, Mm -hmm. but you're missing that soul component. And I think you can tell when somebody's working in that calling aspect because there's that God particle to it. Yeah. And, there, and it's hard to explain without sounding crazy. So I'm, I'm going to take that risk here and hope people are, are really forgiving with not knowing me personally mm-hmm. on this. You know, there are certain times where there's no way on earth my brain could have made that connection. And that had to be a God thing saying, yeah. hey, look here. And it's it's so interesting because sometimes like a particular herb will come to mind and I'm like, okay. And I've mm-hmm. done this long enough to know who that is talking. And so I'll jot it down and, and we'll keep talking and we'll get to a point. And I'm like, bingo, there it is. Yeah. That's uh-huh. the connecting point. That's what we are missing. And all they're seeing from the outside is, oh my gosh, that works so well. And I'm like, oh, thanks, man. Yes, <laughs> thanks. I need this. to, there's no way I could have done yeah. that. But I think that's where you see calling function. And when somebody is hardwired in their, in their soul and in how their brain is put together and all those yeah. things, you see them behave. They're aligned with purpose. Right. Uh-huh. Right. And yeah. it's something bigger than you at that point. Mm-hmm. And I, I think really as a collective, that's what we're looking for. Yes. We're looking for that. Where's my spot at this huge table where I can help the people around me that feeds my soul. And that's what makes me happy. One of the things that I really appreciate and was looking for in a health wellness care practitioner is somebody that can integrate all of those things together. And one of the things, your, your science background, your, your inquisitive background, and the idea that you have the abilities to do testing. I was looking for the type of person that I could work with that I could go into, tell all my things to, all the spiritual, mental, physical things to. And I also want to test, you know, for this. Can you ask, can you look into this? Can you help me know this? Because I'm also very intuitive. There isn't anybody on this planet that knows Aislinn's body better than Aislinn does. Aislinn lives in Aislinn's body. Aislinn deals with Aislinn's body. Aislinn knows all the changes in Aislinn's body. So if Aislinn starts to see a change in her body, and I'm aware, I pay attention. Mm -hmm. If I start to see that change and I don't know, I don't know just quite enough, I'm out there on my own. And I've been out there on my own for such a long time that I'm like hit and miss, try this supplement, do this thing. I read this thing on the internet. I want to go to somebody that's a professional and say, Hey man, here's all this stuff going on. What should we do? Let's try some things. What do you know that I don't know? That's where a lot of people show up. 
Uh, yeah. That's, you know, I've tried everything. I've, it, this isn't making sense. Something's missing there. And, you know, I have that conventional medicine background, so I have a respect for it. There's a, a time and a place for conventional medicine. There really is. However, I think we've been taught that that's a hundred percent of health is conventional medicine and really 10 to 15% of it is conventional medicine. 80, 85% of it is mm-hmm. more natural health. So oh, I thought you were going to say 85% of it's Googling it and then doing something. <laughs> yeah. That's, Thank that's God pretty for common. Google. Except that. It's sad oh, no. that Google will send you on a chat. Now I don't yes. want to look anything up on Google. Yes. So if you know, your next but... question is what makes me sad, Google. Would yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but at the same time, for 15 to 20 years, I've been out here on my right. own. Just what kind else of did you... bumbling and, around. Yeah. And, and people come in and they're, they're almost like a little apologetic that they've been using online searches. I'm like, well, what else did you have? Like, right. it's great opportunity. Yeah. Now's a good time to add in a naturopath. But... I would be useless to them if I didn't listen to what they're experiencing. You know, I I have people that come in and part of what we'll end up talking about with the autoimmune disorders, autoimmune, there's five phases of the gut permeability issue occurring and people show up in that phase four and are like, I don't know, just something's wrong. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just, something's off. I don't know. Maybe you think I'm crazy. They always throw up crazy because they've been told by other doctors that they're crazy. And every single time I tell them, you are the expert on you. You know, I'm responsible for knowing what I know and and helping you have that that information access. But if I don't listen to you, what Mm. are we doing here? Exactly. I, I distracted you with a hilarious joke. You were talking about the relationship between conventional medicine and homeopathy. I was in conventional medicine and it was like, okay, well, what's next? Because that's how my brain has always worked. Okay, well, what's next? Where's the next rung on that ladder? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do conventional medicine and it wasn't anything against the people that I worked with or anything like that. Um, One of the biggest compliments I got was from a doctor that was always very cut and dry. And he's like, you really do need to go to medical school. Like you, you really get this Mm -hmm. on a different level. And I said, well, I am. I'm taking my boards for my doctor of naturopathy. And he looks at me and he goes, Ugh, and goes back to what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, well, the two seconds of fame was great, <laughs> but it's, I'm so drawn naturally towards natural health. Haha. <laughs> but we need people who can walk that balance between the two. Um, I love the, the very, very natural, like extreme natural idea. But to me, we have to have somebody who could stand in the middle and talk to both sides. Yes, um, yes, 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 yes. Our medicine model needs that so much because natural health in a practical, reasonable, safe format is very foreign to a lot of our medical community yes. and a lot of our society. They think we're just grabbing dirt out of the backyard and rubbing it on what hurts and being like, okay, that'll fix you. It's, yeah. it's much more in depth than that. This is these, these systems and these understandings of these plants were discovered and put together in books right. by the people that discovered the earth, the earth was round and, and understood the solar systems. Like these people weren't podunk sitting on a log, poking at each other with a mm-hmm. stick. These were intelligent people. So there's an intelligence to the system. And I think you, you have to have people who want to dissect all of that and say, okay, and then this connects here and this connects there. Mm-hmm. And it's always interesting because you can see on an individual client basis when you hit that wall and you're like, okay, far enough. And some people have that wall a little bit further out. So like with Aislinn as a patient, we can talk about so many things that I'm like, okay, and then this goes here and this influences this. And you do tell her to rub it. the dirt on herself. Yeah, and, that's and actually that good for you. I've already got, she's already got, you've got so much dirt on you. So here's why I wanted to go back to that. So I was raised in the conventional medicine is everything mm-hmm. mindset with my parents. And I just watched both of them travel that system to their completion on this earth. And it was watching them travel that system 
here in the most recent time that I really began scratching my head about, wait a second. I'm not saying throw the system out. I'm just saying that the system's not right. Let's move it back to where it it once was. Right. Or let's take it forward to where it needs to be. Okay. Let's bring in all the things that we've learned and let's integrate it all and let's make it all amazing instead of like siloing ourselves like naturopaths stay over there in your naturopath lane. Because the naturopath came into my world with you, Aislinn, and that was, and correct the timeline if I get it wrong, was when you were eventually diagnosed with hyperthyroidism. Yeah, I started seeing a naturopath driving and paying a lot of money and in 2019. Mm Mm-hmm just initial phases of something because I needed somebody. I needed something and I wasn't ready to go back well, into back to the Madonna conventional. Said, Something's wrong. Yes, Something's exactly. wrong. I need help. Right. I need an outsider. I need someone that can run tests. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that is a huge deal. I'm one of those types of people. Doctors hate me, but I'm one of those types of people that will walk in the room, tell you exactly what's wrong with me, mm-hmm. tell you exactly what I need you to do. And then you're going to go do the things you have to do as a medical professional. And I'm going to be 100% correct with everything, including the prescription that you're going to give me. Doctors hate me because I do that shit. Make a wager with them at the beginning. If it turns out to be what I said, do I have to pay for the stuff that I didn't want you to have to do? (laughs) If I do your job for you, do I still have to pay you? (laughs) I walked in finally to a conventional medicine doctor and said, I have hyperthyroidism. Do you see my thyroid? It's swollen. Now, I need you to do some tests on me and figure out what the hell I'm going to do about this now. And even then it was, you know, medicine and, and I've talked about this a million times, but I ended up with an endocrinologist who, this is what's good about being old school in a city and you know, everybody mm-hmm. is that she knew me she knew my background. She knew what I was into. She knew my health. And she said, you are a healthy person. You don't really need to be here. And I need you to keep up with your heart rate and make sure your heart rate and we need to do some tests on you. And yes, here's the medicine. But if we can get you off of this medicine and get you out of here, let's do that. All I need is for a doctor to say to me, your body can heal itself. Yes. But she's a young doctor. She's a 30 something year old who is got a room full of diabetics and in a city full of diabetics. And the last thing she needs is for a healthy, a very healthy woman to be in her office. See, but what caused some... I don't say friction between my parents and myself was when my dad was diagnosed with type two diabetes, which is autoimmune. Of course (laughs) I knew, I knew that the best thing he could do for himself, not to say, okay, dad, no doctors, no drugs, but the best thing he could do for himself is change his diet. And I think intuitively he knew that. And as it relates to diet, he was also addicted to the sugars and the cravings and the things that we have been addicted to with food and the lifestyle and the culture and all of those things. So it's not that easy for a 70 year old man to be handed diabetes to now go do something about it. He's like, that I'm too old for this. He lived with a son (laughs) in his life and his partner who knew more about this than the average person. Well, yeah, but it's still, but but they did not want They did not want to change their lifestyle and the medicine that the doctor gives you really is, I don't have to change my lifestyle. I just have to take these pills. Exactly. And I think that not changing the lifestyle took 
five to seven years off of his life. Absolutely. And I say that from a standpoint of experience. Um, but the I, doctors don't push that is what I'm saying. The doctors, yeah, don't, yeah. the doctors don't give that piece of the puzzle, right. the gravity that because it requires. Because people don't listen. Well, but you're, you're actually kind of towing in on a big problem behind the scenes that I think if you're not in the medical community, you don't know about. I had a situation where a partner, a business and friend partner of mine, um, we had a situation, a health situation, and I found myself in her room as her naturopath saying, why is, why are we not doing anything about this? I had one of her doctors in the room was like, she's not doing this. She should be doing this. Why? And the doctor looked at me and said, that's not my area. And I said, well, it's not my area. I'm the naturopath. Like, why am I telling you, hey, why are we not having a care meeting? Did they mean that you needed to see I'm making this up a kidney doctor instead of me a lung doctor? Precisely. Yeah. So they they were sectioned into their specialties. And I understand. That was the most I ever yelled with my mom's stuff was the pieces aren't coming together to make a puzzle here. And that's that's one of the two biggest problems in in healthcare, the way it is conventionally set up right now. And and we're in the middle of a huge shift into a a new dynamic for health and, and what that means for people. So it's interesting to have been in the hospital and outside of the hospital Mm. and being able to see both Mm -hmm. sides of that. You know, so many of these doctors truly want to help and want to do their jobs. Yeah. And it's uh, so many times, I would say 90% of the time, it's it's not the doctor that's the problem. It's who's pulling the strings. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. And if you really want to see the problem, start with your insurance Because if you want to get me to cry about my mom's whole thing, I'll tell you about our kidney doctor, who was the best doctor I've ever met, you yeah. know, I've yeah. ever been involved with. And they're with. there. Yeah. I mean, there's some, and it's it was so sad as I was exiting conventional medicine, watching those doctors who had become my friends they are so tired and they are they are exhausted and and just the morale is really bottomed out because they are fighting a system that's bigger than anything everybody really recognizes their mm. patient doesn't understand that that doctor is really trying but his hands are tied in yeah. so many situations so i think that really fueled me wanting to be that connection point i want to be that middle ground where you know i've got a general surgeon here in town that called me one time and said hey i'm i got a couple of your patients and they look fantastic what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And asked, you know, what's that connection point? And I told him what it was. And he said, LaDonna, I've never even heard of that. I said, well, you guys aren't taught that part. I don't know parts of your job, but you don't know parts of my job. We should be working together. Yeah. And we work very well together. I refer people to him because sometimes you need a colonoscopy and I'm not doing that. Right. Sometimes you need somebody to look at gut imbalances and bacterial overgrowth, and he doesn't do that. So that's really what our medical system should be. Exactly what you talked about. So many things are cyclical and, and in this big loop. So instead of just hitting the brakes and saying, you know, forget it. I don't want any conventional mess. Let's keep going. Like, let's really go the rest of that curve and connect where conventional supports naturopathic, naturopathic supports conventional. And and we start really connecting that that's possible. But the patient can do that themselves. They can, but they don't know that. So many times they don't realize, I tell my patients all the time, like not trying to make light of it, but I'm like, it's not a street gang. Like you can have me helping you and you can also right. have conventional See, that's medicine. That's where I was doctor. getting to the, the, the real relationship between yes. you and conventional medicine. You need a team. This may not be an easy question to answer because you said people come to you a lot of times with a vague notion. Something's not right mm-hmm. and I'm not getting the answers that I need. But what are the top couple of things that people might finally say, I need to maybe see a naturopath. What what are the ailments or the conditions? So you you can really see 
kind of a handful of issues that start coming up and you start seeing people, number one, they're not sleeping well. And they're like, oh, well, you know, my, my mood levels are crazy. I'm, I'm super anxious all the time. And I would say anxiety and gut issues are usually the, the two things, you know, I just can't get control of my constipation and they just keep telling me to take Miralax and they just, just keep telling me to take this and, and it's not getting any better. Or I have people come in that have been on thyroid medication for 10 years and they're like, I'm feeling worse. Like, mm-hmm. and, and they're not adjusting my thyroid meds and I like to poke the bear. So I will always ask, well, when's the last time you had your labs run? When's the last time they adjusted your medication? Not that I'm going to do that. I don't mess with pharmaceuticals. It's not my area. I'm not going to speak on something I don't know about. But they'll say, oh, it's been like four years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay, let's run some labs. You're not a changing that. person. Right, yeah. right. And it's, you know, sometimes it's a matter of the, the doctor's completely overwhelmed. I mean, I'm one person. We have 600 patients. Like, it's a lot. I can't imagine having to follow the the requirements of the insurance companies that you need to see X amount of people in a day. You have 10 to 15 minutes max, and you need to peddle this many drugs in a day. Like, I can't imagine trying to work under that kind of pressure. So. Like on one hand, I kind of get it, but on the other hand, that doesn't make it okay. So the key phrase is, I've tried everything else. I don't know what else to do. I'm hoping you can help me. I would say nine out of 10 patients say that whenever they call. So I sent out those trips to a naturopath Mm -hmm. and he was the one that suggested a gluten-free lifestyle. Yes. He put me on a grain-free diet. He never said why. He said, you probably need, he, he started me taking like iodine. He suggested selenium. He said, it might be your thyroid. We didn't know for sure it was my thyroid until my thyroid starts, glands started swelling up so big that I was like, this is, de-. and that, w- that, that was me figuring it out. Mm-hmm. It was me going. And then, and then you remember that I actually switched over to a medical professional. I, I, yeah. had, I found somebody that took cash. Not only am I not interested in doing it the conventional way, I also don't have health insurance. And this was three years ago. And then if you go back 10 years before that, you didn't really have access to medical help if you didn't have insurance. Right. Now things are different. If yeah. you've got cash in hand, oh, they love you. But, <laughs> like yeah. you become like, uh, it, uh, yes, immediately Priority. in the door. <laughs> nothing, we love cash in hand. Nothing changes yeah. your mind than firsthand anecdotal evidence. Yeah. And you doing gluten-free right. worked. Yeah. I started feeling better, but it wasn't just gluten-free. It was stress. I changed my stress level. That mm-hmm. was when I left Girl Local, South Texas. Once one person said hyperthyroidism and showed me my thyroxine levels or whatever high and showed me the tests and all of that, and then I had it, one doctor and endocrinologist tell me, you can actually beat this, right? And then I started changing some things in my life and I'm not going, I'm not the kind of person that's going to stay on pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to. So I decided I'm going to go without my pharmaceuticals for a month. And I did. And I stayed off. I was better with the diet. I stayed off of gluten. The gluten had made me physically sick, like stomach ache, like throw mm-hmm. up, nauseous, sick. So I stayed off gluten I'm good with my diet otherwise. So I went for a month and I was not having symptoms of thyroid stuff anymore. I called the doctor and I said, I'm good. I'm not coming back. I changed things. I felt good. I didn't have symptoms anymore. But then I started having symptoms again and it was beyond the gluten stuff, right? So I knew that there was something more. The truth of the matter is, is that I didn't even tell everybody that all of the symptoms that I was dealing with, because I wasn't ready to go back into the conventional medicine. I Mm -hmm. had convinced myself at that point that I could figure this out. I just needed to figure out how to figure it out. Right. 
What convinced me to see LaDonna was that I had gotten sick in all ways, shapes, and forms. I was on the edge in terms of my mental health. Like I didn't want to live anymore, literally. I, my anxiety was off the charts. I was habitually using plant-based medicine because I felt anxious and sick all the time. I had fallen into a habit of eating basically like popcorn, chocolate, an egg, and then whatever you'd cook for dinner at night. Like I wasn't eating anything. My gut hurt, went through the holidays and I, every single thing we ate turned me into like a five month pregnant, like belly of like sickness. My periods were out of control. I don't even want to describe to you guys what was going on with that. Please don't. So it wasn't just, it and it wasn't just LaDonna that I saw. I scheduled an appointment with a therapist. I started going to yoga. I scheduled an appointment with LaDonna. I have to fix this problem. Mm -hmm. Something real is wrong here. The thing that LaDonna did was LaDonna made my little like ticker brain go leaky gut. No one has ever straight up said you have leaky gut. I have probably had leaky gut since I was 13 when oh, I went yeah. through the major surgeries yeah. that I went through back as a child. There's mm -hmm. usually a, you can see the timeline and it's pretty easy to say, okay, there we go. There's where it probably started. And this is what, this mm -hmm. is where we are. And frequently it will take decades. Mm -hmm. The average is for somebody to actually be diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. It takes them changing doctors four to five times before somebody finally says, Hey, think something's going on here. And I would love to see the research and show at what point did a natural health practitioner step in there? Was that four or was that five? Because I, I think the, that's why we see so much of that delay. And it's, you know, you explaining what you were experiencing. I, I can see from my side, there's where she was in stage four. And when she got to me, she was in stage five. And it makes a lot of sense for how that. So when she came in and told you some version of what she just told us here, mm -hmm. you leaky gut. Not immediately. And I say that because um, I, I have a very suspicious mind. Not not suspicious. Um, I'm skeptical all mm -hmm. the time. Uh, it made, oh, that's my job on this show. Right. We will get along fine. <laughs> it's It made me a really difficult student because um, I think natural health typically attracts that really calm, peaceful, Mother Earth kind of personality. And then here I am. And, mm -hmm. and that was so characteristic. The very first natural health class, like herbalism class I showed up for was in Austin. And I show up and I'm, I'm on my game. I'm like business casual. I'm ready for this. And I'm st sore thumb is just not a strong enough term. And I, I texted somebody and said, man, I am uh, overdressed, um, under tattooed, <laughs> under braceleted. And I think if they knew the percentage of my body that shaved, I'd get kicked out right now. Like I'm, I guarantee you, I'm the only one who has shaved my legs. Does the today. naturopath have a recommended shave percentage? <laughs> you know, I think clientele. that's up for debate. Okay. Um, if I, I don't wanted to study right? that much, I would have been a fantastic naturopath because no shaving and tattoos and all that. I'm so right. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it was really funny because, um, at the end of that class, the instructor, you know, during the class, the instructor had railed against conventional medicine medicine and, and just really talk crap the whole time. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Like I, I was a surgical tech at that point and, you know, kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And so I'm waiting for my ride at the end of this class. And of course they're late and I'm like, please hurry up. You don't understand how uncomfortable this is right now. And so she's trying to make conversation. She's like, so what do you do? I'm like, huh. well, <laughs> you know, and I, I tell her and you see her face change and she's like, oh, great. And I said, look, you need people like me. Yeah. You need somebody who is in those groups that you don't have access to saying, Hey, 
why is she on, you know, just fill me in. Why is she doing this? Why is she taking all these meds when if she would just change this or add this herb, this would really take care of this. I said, I'm always the the odd duck in the pond, whether that's in the conventional medicine circle saying, hey, you know, if you put her on Hawthorne, it'll control that blood pressure better. And, and luckily I worked with a, a physician that was very friendly to that. So we had great conversations. But then on the natural health side, I'm the one saying, hey, I'm all for it, but let's not jump straight to iodine because if your body doesn't need that and we're basing this off of Facebook recommendations, you could actually create a thyroid tumor. Like, let's check some labs first. And- you know, when my thyroid started swelling was when I started taking iodine. I, I was like, iodine doesn't work for me. It's making me sick. And that was yeah. the naturopath thing. That was the initial thing that I was right. started on. And then now and I've switched to selenium, which is, you know. The- yeah, and that that's very common. So we're kind of fighting a two-sided battle for somebody in my position because we're trying to fight the conventional medicine be like, no, we really did go to school for this. I swear we did. And we're also fighting the other side that wants to give off these Facebook recommendations and colloidal silver to bowel sensitivity and this and that. And I'm, I'm just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like my stress levels. But that's the same that. one size fits all kind exactly. of broadcasting they're of the doing, latest thing. Yes, they're doing the same thing yeah. and then yelling at each other for doing what doing they're the doing. Same thing. And I'm in the middle saying, yeah. y'all understand you're both wearing blue. Right? This is literally why I like you, you know, and in, in different conversations conversations in the world, you know, it's like, I no, thought it was cause I was funny. You're hilarious. <laughs> so Asa came and said, look, the dinner table is going to change. Yeah. I went to see LaDonna. This is going to be my new diet. Mm-hmm. And I look at this thing and I he go, said, LaDonna's crazy. What? The, <laughs> what? I cried on the way to the restaurant, by uh-huh. the way, right. I got invited to go eat dinner with my family. And I literally was like, nah. Like a kid in the back. But Aislinn doesn't do, she's not, I mean, I'm not going to be able to eat chocolate, popcorn, and drink a glass of red wine. So, Joe, clearly, I'm serious about this. We've talked about it for the last five, six weeks. What exactly is autoimmune disorder? I know that they're on the increase. That's what we've talked about here on the show. Mm -hmm. I'd love to know, you know, from your point of view, I'm imagining people are coming to you with this a lot. Right. We're, we're seeing it a lot. Uh, you know, my job being, okay, well, what's that underlying thing? What's what's contributing? What got us here? And so frequently we see autoimmune and autoimmune conditions 100% of the time have an, a leaky gut issue because something's got to be feeding that system. Your body is intelligent. Your immune system is incredibly intel- intelligent. What is causing the dysregulation? There, there has to be something there. So that's really where autoimmune came in and gut permeability and gut dysbiosis came in. You know, I wanted to specialize in this area because nobody was doing it. Why do we have such a huge section of health and and dishealth uh, and nobody's doing anything about it? You know, you've got 85% of the U.S. has some kind of a, a problem. You've got 85% of your healthcare budget goes into diagnosing and managing chronic health conditions. But we have oncology, we have gynecology, we have ophthalmology, but we don't have an autoimmunology. Why not? Because in my opinion, because it's all, it's so health driven. It's so diet driven. It's all of 60% of, of controlling the gut bacteria is diet. Well, they don't teach that mm-hmm. in conventional medicine school. They're, 
it was really interesting because we had a situation where my doctor, who's a fantastic doctor, recommended a particular diet for something I was dealing with. And my husband was really stressed out that I completely threw that recommendation out the window. And we kind of argued a little bit about it because he was worried for me and he, he knew I wasn't listening. And I said, because it's not the right diet. It's not the right choice. And he said, well, how do you know that? It took me a little bit to realize that he didn't know that in conventional medicine, that doctor had only spent about six to 12 weeks on nutrition. And he said, well, how much did you spend? I said, three years. (laughs) Trust me, I've done more. So I knew that working with autoimmune conditions, I had to understand that leaky gut aspect. And so I I did a certification in that, that specifically taught me how that works. And I, I was so just mind blowing to see the numbers. I'm a very big numbers and logistics person. I I tell my patients all the time, look, we're going to map out a plan. Yeah, we're going to do things naturally, but we're not just going to run around in the wild and hope the earth heals us. Like nature can do this, but let's have a strategy. Let's have it written down. So looking at if you've got 85% of spending going towards this, but then you look at, okay, well, yeah, you know, cancer is really big and heart disease is really big. No, you got to look at those numbers again. 50% of that chronic disease is autoimmune Mm -hmm. and nobody's doing anything about it. You've got 50 million cases five years ago of autoimmune diseases on just a regular basis where you only had 12 million cancer cases and you only had 25 million cardiac diseases. Mm. So why do we have double and triple the numbers, but nobody's doing anything about it. And so that was really... I have a friend that had lupus. I'd mm-hmm. heard of this thing called lupus. This was 25 years ago. Yeah. Lupus. My grandmother had lupus. What's lupus? Yeah. It's under the umbrella of autoimmune. I understand that Absolutely. now, but back then it was like, it's just kind of a rare thing. And so what is, what is right. the treatment? Chronic thing. Right. Well, they have umbrella statements and it's kind of like, oh, well, you have IBS. Well, is it IBS? I mean, IBS is kind of misused. It's just if you have a gut problem and we don't really know what med to give uh-huh. you, you're IBS and you're just, I don't know, take Miralax and go home. There's no real plan for mm-hmm. it. Uh, so you see autoimmune IBS kinda, being under this autoimmune umbrella yeah, as well. Is, okay, It is. There's a, there's a hundred identified and credited autoimmune diseases, but they're, they're adding to that frequently. I think at this point we're closer to 130 and we're just adding to that. And I think we're seeing an increase. You, you asked about that. Uh, absolutely. Well, what's what's increase. happening? We're sick and we're poisoned and our, <laughs> our food doesn't have this. It, it's a, it's a lot of little answers. Our food doesn't have the same nutrient density. It did a hundred, 200 years ago. Our toxin levels are through the roof. And it's it's really interesting because when you look at autoimmune disease, women have three times the, the odds of getting an autoimmune disease or developing it. You don't catch it like you do the flu. It develops. And the, the question was always, okay, well, why? And when you looked at the toxin exposure in women versus men, if you they did a summary, they, they kind of did this pool of like, okay, well, how many products do you put on your body in a day? Men are like, deodorant and toothpaste. Yep. <laughs> you it. listed them. Yes. And women are... Beard oil because look these, at this. Yeah. Well, you have to. I just use deodorant and toothpaste Well, too. You, <laughs> you and I are kind of odd. Um, I, it, I love the fact that I can get away I with not I do have this red hair though. I'm probably right? poisoning Uh-oh. myself. Well, it's lip products are the number one thing that women yeah. are exposed to that cause toxin overload. With lip? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was really interesting. Even a lot of your really like natural quote unquote marketing. I remember ones. when I was a kid, The Incredible Shrinking Woman, the movie with Lily Tomlin. And the reason why this woman started shrinking back in the early 80s when this movie came out was 
what they came up with for the plot of the movie was exactly what we're talking about. All the stuff we yeah. expose ourselves to Absolutely. that doesn't come from Earth. Yeah. So you've got increased From toxins. cleaning supplies to yeah. cosmetics. And yeah. Because it, they're just getting more and more processed. Our food is more and more processed. Oh, yeah. Our stress levels are through That's the roof. That's what I was going to say. After the pandemic, everybody's oh. like everything's going wrong now. It has to have something to do with pandemic. I was like, yeah, the stress that we caused ourselves after the pandemic. We are, we are not built to live the lives that we're living right now. The stress levels that we have, our bodies are not created for this. Our our souls aren't created for this. None of that is, is we're not living the lives that we're supposed to be living right now. And it's really interesting because there's such a psychological dynamic to that, not being a psychologist or anything, but just recognizing how people process through those things and seeing even in myself, like taking time and not working and doing something stress relieving instead feels guilty. And mm-hmm. so I recognize, okay, where's yeah. that coming from? Why, you know, this is why I'm sick. You know, I, when I went to my doctor and I had just randomly done a test that we had started carrying it in our office because I'm skeptical and I want to know it actually works. And it caught a huge problem in my health. And I checked my blood sugars and they're 238 and mm. I have no symptoms at all. And I had gone to my doctor and he said, well, you're not, he looks me up and down and says, you're not my typical diabetic. And I'm like, I know what that means, but mm-hmm. he said, well, I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't know what's causing it. And I said, uh, I can tell you, I said, my stress levels are through the roof and conventional medicine doesn't really recognize that cortisol blocks insulin. Okay. Yep. Well, if cortisol is strong enough to block insulin and fill those insulin receptors, what else does it do to the body and studying into that autoimmune part and that leaky gut part? That's the secret killer in that condition. That is why we have deaths from heart disease. That is why we have strokes. That is why we have so many of the problems that we have because we are running at a brick wall at 100 miles an hour because that's what everybody else does and that's what the influencers on Instagram are doing. And if I just do more, maybe I'll be happy. And we don't ever understand we're running away from happy. So I I think it's a very complex answer for why autoimmune is increasing. So us two lay people... In talking about the leaky gut here a few weeks ago, it's just that. Your stomach, help me, is designed to contain everything within, but because of everything that we have consumed, you can thin those membranes right. and things get into your bloodstream, into your body that aren't intended on being there. Yeah. It's, it, when you say gut, um, it's it's kind of top to bottom. It's okay. Not your stomach. Digestive. It's your digestive. Okay. Yeah. So sure. a lot of the problem really starts occurring in this, the small intestines. And so one of the things that really sticks out in natural medicine is small intestine bacterial overgrowth. And there's there's a whole process for what that does, why it does, and, and how the problem starts. But with developing a leaky gut condition, it's like... Like I said, I kind of break it into five different phases. You know, you have your first phase where, you know, you're going along, everything's happy, healthy, you know, we're good. You know, every once in a while, something that shouldn't cross over crosses through that gut lining into the body. And it's like, oh, that was weird. And your body just kind of keeps going. Everything's fine. No problem. Every once in a while, something weird's going to happen. It's okay. You've got a good defense system. You move into that second phase and it's like, hey, there's another one of those. And you start seeing a little bit more crossover and your body's like, okay, well, one time was weird two times is suspicious. So let's, let's go ahead and send a flag up. And uh-huh. so it kind of notifies the immune system. Hey, y'all, y'all be watching this. Something might be going on. Let's just kind of keep an eye out. You move into that third part 
And now like there's stuff going, there, there's stuff crossing over and there are things that are starting to, they're starting to discover little holes in the wall and they're starting to see, Hey, we've got some stuff leaking over and, and there's something wrong here. I need you guys to, you guys were on alert. You were on call. Now it's time to go. Let's go ahead and start sending the immune system out. Let's start identifying these. Let's start killing them off and let's start remembering just in case this ever happens again. Well, then you move into okay, well, we've been on high alert for a long time now. Your immune system has been working around the clock 24-7. It's kind of your, your on-call team that we're on hour 18 and we're exhausted and we're cranky and we're hyper-reactive. Yeah. And if you ask me one more question, I'm going to snap your head off. Your immune system starts doing that too. So your immune system starts to overreact. And at that point, it's annoyed enough that it's going to start stirring the pot. So then it starts stirring up inflammation and it still hasn't, we haven't fixed the, the holes that are happening in the gut. So now we're having more and more holes and more and more crossover and everybody's ticked off and everybody's all up in arms and inflammation. So that's where those people come in. They're like, something's wrong. I don't know. Like, I don't feel good. This is, you know, I'm having massive diarrhea, constipation, whatever it is. You know, I, I just feel really bloated, but they don't know what it is. And usually their conventional medicine doctor has looked at their lab, said, you're fine. Go home. It's, it's in your head. You know, just, I don't know, drink some water. That is the phase where like, we're now in trouble territory. But hold on. I'm sorry. If the proper tests had been done, these hundred, 130, designated autoimmune disorders from mm -hmm. type 2 diabetes to whatever, they, they check a box eventually. Like one of them is going to be type 2 diabetes or Hashimoto's or Graves' disease or fill in the blank. Well, it's hard when there's no symptoms yet. And so phase four, the most oh, complicated or you don't know how to explain This is pre-symptomatic. I mean, if I look back all the way right. to um, when I was 19, it was a gastro, like an ulcer type of yeah. thing. And then all the years between there and there, it was like um, lots of joint pain. And so uh, I would do things to help gout, you know, mm -hmm. and then it was, and then it was skin, eczema type things. And they and all seem really was, random and really yeah, separated. Mm -hmm. And yeah, all random and separate. Yeah. In, in, and then you add into it the mental anxiety stuff that started, you know, and it, and so right. I'm watching you explain this out loud. And I'm like, dude, I could like tell you the history of my whole life and exactly what happened. Exactly. Exactly. You know? And the downside is, and I'm really not trying to knock on conventional medicine, but the way the medical schools were put together, again, the doctors are not the problem here. If you really want to dig into something interesting, look at the Flexner report and what that did to medical schools and the, the current state of medical health or health in the medical system. At that point, they, they don't even, they're not even really sure what to test you for because they're not taught autoimmune. And they're looking at a card saying, you know, the medical industry from the insurance side is so pharmaceutical driven because those are two sides of the same coin. They're just trying to figure out what, what medication to give you so that you feel better. Yes. They are really trying to make you feel better. But there's, I have thyroid patients that come in that have been on thyroid meds for 10 years and they're like, why do I have rheumatoid arthritis now? Yeah. It's because we never fixed what caused the problem in the first place. So they were in that phase four where just something's wrong. They don't feel good. Their energy's really low. Their gut's bothering them, but nobody has an answer. And this is where frustration builds. And this is where they go through those two and three and four and five doctors. Well, you get to that fifth stage and now you have multi-organ issues. You have incredible inflammation. Your gut is going crazy. You feel horrible. Your thyroid's going nuts. Now the fire alarm is going off. Nobody in the system knows what's going on. Everything is panicking. And it is really hard to halt that 
There's this whole process of trying to like ease people into this autoimmune thing because it's hard. I, I understand that. Um, and trying to explain to them, look, if we want to dry the basement up because it's under three feet of water, let's not just bail water out. Let's turn the faucet off that's flooding it. And that's really critical. I'm glad you said it exactly that way because a lot of people have said, well, what does she say about the autoimmune? I'm like, what she says is let's solve the leaky gut problem first. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, let's fix that first. And and then we'll do some tests and check some other things right. and do some other things. Right. But you did a really good job explaining that. So as the AIP diet affects the dinner table is yeah. a lot about what we've been talking about here for yeah. the last several weeks. Yeah. What is the purpose of the AIP diet exactly? Yeah. So it does two things. Um, so A, we want to increase the nutrient density because that's that's your repair team. You cannot repair the body. You just can't magically summon up all these things that you need Some to kind fix of it. Miracle pill coming down the market. There's not. Right. There really isn't. Um, and that's that's what really frustrates me, especially when you see naturopaths throw thirty supplements at somebody. I'm like, hang on. Like if we're trying to fix, if the liver is congested, why are we adding twenty supplements? And I've literally seen people come yeah. in with a list of here's yeah. what my yeah. former naturopath gave yes. me, and I'm like, huh, okay, yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. start here. That's part of the reason I didn't do. Keep going down that path. Oh, I'm yeah. going to ask a question that may be controversial. Is that because they make their money on supplements? Um, there's not a whole lot of money in supplements. Not for the naturopaths okay. usually. Even as a, a professional who creates certain things, teas, tinctures, all those things, that is not what pays my bills. I promise. Okay. <laughs> so um, in in conventional medicine, I think that's more of the risk, but less in natural okay. medicine. Okay. Uh, maybe I'm, it's holdover and, from the pharmaceutical. Well, it did feel a little medicine. that way. I got to admit. Like, I buy, like, you can buy all the things off my shelf you can right. buy all of the you know whatever and well, I, I like, think it's partially mm -hmm. good intentions yeah. I think it's partially that old mindset of hey there's a pill for this yes um, yeah. but and, and I, I might upset somebody saying it this way but in my own opinion I think sometimes they use that to boost their own confidence because sure. it's it's really kind of nerve-wracking I'm pretty confident in what I do I, I believe in what I do I believe in my own ability God-given and intellectual all of that I, I got a good gut for this, no pun intended. Like mm -hmm. I, I've got a good instinct for it, but I understand like when that, when you can tell somebody's like, what, I don't know about this. Um, I, I think by nature, there's this need to kind of bolster our titles on the wall and our, well, I, yeah, and, and this will do yeah, it. I, I yeah. think sometimes they use that kind of as a comfort item to yeah. cover what they think may be a possible, well, maybe I missed something and maybe this will cover it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it is really hard as a professional to say, I don't know. I really think this is going on. I really am suspicious about this, but let's do this and let's watch what your body does. And people are so used to walking out with like, yes. do this, here's a prescription, you right. know, whatever. If you don't walk out with something immediately that's going to solve my problem, right. then you haven't done any work. And I actually yeah. get negative feedback because yeah. of that. Yeah. Uh, it, I get that. Yeah, yeah. It, I'll hear back through the grapevine that they were upset because their summary drink of it water. is drink more water and, and eat cleaner food. And I'm like, what? What? You, yeah. you had three pages of notes. Like yeah. if you're going to quote me, quote all of me, <laughs> but it's, I, I've started explaining to people that I've got to do some safety checks first. There's no yeah. point in me giving you this really amazing herbal combination. If it's going to piss your liver off because you're not drinking water and not right. having bowel movements. Yes. So I'm going to do what's right. 
even if you're not happy about it. It might not give you the warm fuzzies. You might not be impressed that there weren't a ton of fireworks, but it's going to be the right thing and the safe thing to do. So, so we've got, you know, kind of this, this balance. So the autoimmune protocols and the autoimmune diet increases what's available for your body to use, but it starts putting out the fire too. We, there's no point in increasing your nutrient density and still punching holes the entire time in that gut wall. There's no point in stopping the gut wall damage. And I don't think you really can if you don't increase that nutrient density and you're not eating real food and you're eating these things that trigger those. So we kind of got to quit punching the wall and we've got to start fixing the wall at the same time. Okay. So a point of clarification, tomatoes are real food. Eggplants are real food. Yeah. Yeah. So for a, I'm not going to say a normal person because unfortunately most normal people have conditions like this for a stage one gut tomatoes are no problem. Okay. The thing is, is by the time you're in that, oh my gosh, the fire alarms are going off. Everything's going wrong. Your body has lost its tolerance. Mm -hmm. We're just, we don't have the same reserves. It's why I don't like allergy testing whenever somebody's in an autoimmune condition, because it's like you telling me, wow, that color doesn't really look good on you when I'm already hungry and tired. Don't push me. (laughs) Like I'm already upset kind of a thing. So, and that's part of why I really love the autoimmune diet because you can probably have tomatoes at another point. If that's a particular food that triggers your immune system, maybe not. But we're taking off the tomatoes because... The autoimmune diet pulls out the things that are the most frequent triggers for that stimulating that immune system and stimulating that reaction because it's already overreacting. Mm -hmm. We want to remove any excuse it has. So the point then long-term, if I understand it correctly, because this is what we were having a conversation about this week. Yes. We've talked about the point long-term on the show. I want to be able to eat tomatoes right. and potatoes we out of my garden. We want to get back in, to yes. world cuisine. Yes. So what we're trying to do by eliminating nightshades and eggs and dairy and grain for a short period of time relative to your life mm-hmm. is patch up the holes. Give your body a chance. Yep. I want more than yep. patching exactly. the holes. I want the holes to okay. be like... Not patching up I the holes. A, double golden, reinforcing. Yeah. Reinforcing. No, but I want to be able to get back to the point to where I want a solid good diet where I can eat natural right. things, but I'm not eating tomato sauce for dinner every night because, I mean, still, even if it's fresh tomatoes from my garden, eating tomato sauce every night is going to be something that's going to go back into an issue, right? I want this really well-rounded diet where I can eat all the natural, organic, well-grown things Mm -hmm. off my farm. That's the goal. The goal is to get to a healthy point. Now, if your meals are consistently Whataburger, we don't want to get you to that point again. No, no, right. (laughs) That'll never get you there. But to to get those things pulled back. (laughs) I haven't eaten one of those in like years. I don't even know. So it's it's repairing. Yes. And then I know that. Okay. So I'm hearing. Repair and reintroduce. I'm hearing (laughs) 30, 60, 90 days. Mm -hmm. Where will Aislinn be, you think? It's hard to tell that immediately. You know. Right. And that always sounds like a sales technique, but it's, you know, you can generally tell, you know, in school we're told however long it takes to develop something is how long it takes to undevelop it. And I was like startled when they said that. Well, and then upon more research, I saw more and more of them saying, look, if it took you six months to get here, anticipate six weeks to get out of it. Now that's not with changing major things like an entire autoimmune protocol. So we typically see that the gut intestines, the, the cells, the mucosa, it repairs itself and completely replaces itself within two to three days in a perfectly healthy person. And somebody 
somebody that's dealing with a lot of gut problems, it takes two weeks. Okay. So okay. your body is already doing what it needs to do. Plus I'm doing all the things, girl. Yes. I'm doing all the things to get better. What, do you, hold on, what are all the things? I'm doing the spiritual practice. I'm doing the yoga. I'm doing the, the more vitamin D. I'm doing all the things. Right. And you even said before we started talking on, on the recordings that you were already feeling so much better. So yeah. I, I gauge that and that's why follow-ups are so important. Mm. It's uh, because... I don't want to just say, well, the book says you should be perfectly fine in 30 to 60 days. I want to see you and I want to say, okay, yeah. awesome. So you're having a really good, it seems like you're doing really great on this. You're feeling so much better. You know, we're going to go through this checklist. Yeah. I'm going to look at this and let's start working on some reintroductions. Let's try reintroducing peanuts. If you love peanuts, let's look at that. Let's start reintroducing those things. Okay, so, okay. I'm enjoying it though, too, though. I got admittedly, I'm loving the diet. Like my skin feels better. I have less cellulite. I feel more alive. I'm like awake, like all the things you want in life. I'm feeling mm-hmm. all of those things. Yeah. My gut's still dealing with some things I can tell, yeah. you know? Well, and you're seeing evidence that that's that root cause. So mm-hmm. you're seeing the impact. It's almost like you progress through these steps and then you regress mm-hmm through them in in opposite order. So yeah. you start seeing if skin changes are the first thing you start noticing, skin changes will start changing. So it's, it's really interesting. And my to anxiety see that. is so different. My brain fog, holy crap. Mm-hmm. I can hold on to thoughts. I'm like, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> is she harder to argue with now? Cause she remembers. <laughs> I, listen, I'm harder to argue with. We're, that. we're gonna, no, not because she remembers. Uh, no, this is this is a completely different. This, we need we need to get our Patreon working. We talk about our, <laughs> arguing. Um, she sat me down. I did, and she said, "Stress is as big important part of this as yeah. is peanuts or whatever." Possibly more. Listen, this is what I actually said, and I really want to say this because I think that this is a, a feeling that needs to be that needs to be said. This is words that people need to say. If I came home and the doctor told me I had cancer Mm -hmm. and I sat down on the bed and I said, my love, I have cancer Mm -hmm. and this is what I have to do to fix it. I have to stop my stress levels. I have to change my diets and all the other things, right? Yeah. Everyone I know and love would be on team Aislinn. Oh, absolutely. So what I said was pretend like I have cancer. Right. Right. Because in my opinion, autoimmune, and I'm okay to have this conversation right now too. The idea that there's correlations between cancer and autoimmune and when when does autoimmune get to be brought up as to just as bad and just as hard on your body, everything about you, my hair's falling out. Mm -hmm. I'm sick. I can't work. These are all things that happen to people with cancer. You're more right than you realize. Um, autoimmune conditions when in the hospital, we talk about comorbidities and, and you know, if, if there's multiple comorbidities, this patient is more and more in trouble. And so we start watching that, um, anesthesia watches that really closely for those reasons. Autoimmune adds an additional comorbidity to anything you have. And the problem is, is it creates a potentially catastrophic and terminal condition with things that we regard so simple as PCOS. If you take PCOS and add that autoimmune component, that leaky gut component to it, you've got a dangerous situation. This isn't just, hey, I'm really uncomfortable for a few days during the month. Uh, what's PCOS, sorry? Uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Thank so it's you. one of the key things you see that frequently with women. Yeah. I'm hearing that more and more and more. And what's really, That's really a devastating. That's conversation right now. It is. And the conventional medicine answer is birth control or hysterectomy. Yeah. They're taking women's... 
Oh, I don't want to go down this road, yeah. but I'm like, they're offering <laughs> to take all kinds of shit out still to this yes. day before they even say it's likely an autoimmune. Well, I just met somebody who came to the house because of the farm thing yeah. that we do here. And she outright basically told me like they've taken all my stuff yeah. out and they still can't figure out why I'm because sick. Because they'll never say it's autoimmune because they don't know that. They're not taught that in school. There's, there's no study If I for had that. gone to a doctor... They would have already tried to take my stuff out. Oh, for because sure. my stuff Your is thyroid like gone. Yeah, like oh no, yeah. they wanted to start taking that. That one they offered to take out, and I said no, you're not allowed. I went in cash in hand and said no, you can't take things out of me. What yeah. else can we do? Right, and and right. cried about it. Mm-hmm. This doctor at least listened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like in my my female parts, oh, I guarantee you they'd be wanting to take yeah. those things out of me. Well, and and gut permeability and gut dysbiosis affects your hormones. It affects everything. And that's why we see such a wide range of, okay, what, what are autoimmune diseases? Okay. Well, which system you want to start with? I mean, everything from autism, from PCOS, from thyroid disorders, from all kinds of things. I mean, there, it's just insane. And if you start looking at, okay, well, what causes it? It's, it's really interesting to see how frequent just those in, I mean, there's, there's a whole handful of things that, that can cause a leaky gut issue. But if we start looking at the, just the toxins that we're exposed to, it's really frustrating because it's like they know it, but they don't want to admit it, but then they want to use it and it not be a good context. So part of what they put into vaccines to make you develop an antibody to something is exactly what stimulates our immune system because Mm -hmm. they have to stimulate the immune system. So your memory T cells will say, Hey, I know that guy. Let's not let him go anywhere. So they recognize that it works because they're using it. Mm -hmm. So why aren't we recognizing that it works so we can fix it? It's Mm -hmm. that's what really frustrates me is y'all want to put one toe in when it's convenient, but then step back out and act like you don't know anybody here whenever it doesn't suit the purposes. So can I throw out the word glyphosate? Because this is the part where honestly, 10 years ago, when I first got into this field that I'm into with agriculture and, you know, I would go to conferences and they would talk about this. And it was like, almost like you weren't allowed to say it. Like you could just not say it. And now I'm like, I am way the F over it. We are being poisoned. Mm -hmm. I told a client today, I said, First of all, I know how strict you are about diet. I'm talking to this client. I know how strict you are about diet. I know the things that you're doing with special breads and all the things, things like I'm doing, autoimmune stuff. And I see that you have cotton burr compost there as something you're going to use. I wouldn't use cotton burr compost. There is no cotton grown in this country that isn't coming from fields that have glyphosate on it. I don't care if it says organic on the bag. There are no fields in this country that do not have glyphosate in them. That means that everything we're eating has glyphosate in it. And it has had glyphosate in it for many years now. And they have increased and changed the glyphosate, the chemical makeup of the weed killer to add in poisons from things that we've known have been killing people for decades now. Why is that? Because the because the, the glyphosate is less effective it as it anymore. used to be. Yeah. yeah, nature evolves. Sure. nature changes. Nature's immune Nature's system adaptive. is fighting against. That's exactly the glyphosate. right. Yeah. That's exactly, exactly right. I just bring that up because break down the the gut barrier wall. Let's just keep eating glyphosate. And the interesting thing is, you'll hear somebody say, "Well, if they were actually, if that was actually a thing that was causing a problem, they would be suing people and losing." I'm like, "They are, and is." <laughs> and the thing is, it's kind of like saying the government is out for your health and your greater good. I'm like, "Really? Yeah, no, absolutely <laughs> not, absolutely not." I went to so many conferences and listened to people talk, and I just, I would be like, "Okay, I hear what you're saying, I understand what you're saying, but I mean, what are we going to do about that?" What? But they were talking about plenty of scientific evidence about 
pigs and pig right, bellies right. and they were having gut problems yeah. and they were showing inflammation and all the things that autoimmune issues basically in the in the right. hogs so there's testing that has been done there is and i think it's if people walk away with nothing else it's start looking outside of the us it was really interesting to me when i started researching certain things the information that i could get from within the, the boundaries of the us versus what i was finding in eastern europe and and all of these areas and and western europe and and researching into these certain areas we've got blinders on big time. And that, that's probably a whole nother soapbox. That's, that's a huge transition we're going through in our business is understanding, okay, what are our options here? Because I'm, I'm really frustrated with the fact that, you know, it's it, naturopaths aren't allowed to work with cancer patients. Like why, why is that a problem? Um, and it's understanding all that red tape. If talk I have cancer it. and I come and hire you, you, somebody gets to tell me that I can't hire you. I could go to federal prison for that. That's a bunch of shit. Oh yeah, I could choose anybody I fucking want to. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yep, that is and the somebody, biggest load of shit I've we ever haven't heard. used the f word for six or seven weeks. It's been You're welcome. It's been twice in this episode, by the way. <laughs> I kind of stimulate that, you know. No, um, that's... and it's you know it's not. And I, you know, my response is because I get that very indignant sick to my stomach. I, I'm very protective of my patients, and I get I, I get real intense on things. Um, I can either be angry at the system, or I can figure out how yeah, to work on I my agree. side at it differently. And that's it's a lot of the decisions we're trying to make, but it's, I think it's, don't assume that the government's out for your greatest good. It's not, you know, I'm not like, oh my gosh, get to your tinfoil hat. This guy's falling. It's know, know who you're working with. Know, know where the money's moving, know what the agendas are, you know, just be wise. Yeah, Yeah. no, that's 100%. And even going back to the, we can't all be stressed out about everything all the time. Because that affects your body. Everything we're Gosh. drinking out of, everything we're eating out of, everything we're eating, everything, everything we've been poisoned since World War One. Okay, yeah. so now what are we going to do about it? Right. Like now, Probably what are we going to actually do about it? <laughs> I'm going to grow my own food. I'm going to talk to. I'm going to feel empowered about delicious food that I'm making. Yeah. We're going to make delicious pizzas. Well, we're going to and understand that your body's capable. Oh, Gosh, that's your, bo- your huge. body is in insanely powerful. Like it was created that way. Like we're not just trying to teach it new tricks. It's, Hey, this is what you can do. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a question for you. Autoimmune disorders aside now, just two, three, four tips, things, reminders that you would tell any patient to just generally increase their healthiness. Drink water. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like I always start. Do you provide a guide this many ounces. I do. Um, I, I think there's this misunderstanding that you're supposed to be drinking a gallon of water a day. And if I have a 60 year old, 90 pound patient come in and she's drinking a gallon of water, she's going to be washing her kidneys out. You need half your body weight in fluid ounces. Coffee doesn't count. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, even if it's tea, it doesn't really count. You need to be getting that baseline of that half your body weight in fluid ounces. If you drink coffee or tea or something else, we'll compensate with another glass of water. You know, that's our entire system. Half your body weight system. in ounces a yeah. day. Yeah. What exactly. else? Exactly. Eat real food, man. I think we don't realize how much the processed, we're so used to everything being in a can at this point. Uh, We've got to get away from that. Uh, Our bodies aren't made to function that way. That causes damage that doesn't hurt. And so we don't pay attention to it. And we get all the way into five steps of, oh my gosh, now we're in trouble. And we could have stopped that a lot earlier. We we need to be working and living and eating like our, our great-grandparents did. They had it right. How quickly will you lose a patient when you try to push that 
It depends on the patient. Some patients, like the first three questions in my, in my intake form, well, I'll lose them. <laughs> so it's, I'm not a just, fit for everybody. My parents went to a doctor for my dad's diabetes that was, we're going to heal you with food. Food is going to be your yeah. medicine. We're not going to do away with your other medicine, yeah. but the idea is we're going to get you off of it or wean you down from it, whatever. They knew that going into it mm-hmm. and quit because it was it yeah. just, they didn't want to do that. You know, I, I had a patient recently and I, I, you know, hesitate to say that I, I fire people. I don't fire people. It's just sometimes we're not on the same page. And if we continue to force the relationship, we're just going to both be frustrated. Um, she had recently gone through some health changes that were required an adjustment. You know, if you change things in your body, it changes your emotions. And she was still in that very raw area. And the recommendations I was making for her were safe. They were healthy. They were founded. They would have had great results, but she just wasn't ready. And that was okay. And I understood she was getting frustrated with me because she didn't like my answers. And she was starting to question if, if I was right. And that's okay. You're allowed to question your doctor, mm-hmm. whether it's me or somebody else. But she just wasn't in that right space right then. So I, I think you have to kind of be at that point that you're like, you know what? On one hand, hey, I'm ready to, for change. And I even have a question in my intake form. How ready are you for this? Because if I'm seeing like a one and a two, well, you know, my spouse is making me come, then then I'm probably not a good fit for you because I don't want to overwhelm you. And that's part of why I stage my recommendations. I, I talk about a pyramid that I'm filling in. So we're going to have three priorities that we're working on. You know, we might in phase two work on this thing that you actually came in for. But right now, like I need you to look at these three because this is where we're going to have the biggest change and not get overwhelmed. And almost every single time you can kind of see them starting to be like, oh my gosh, what did I get into? Yeah. And I tell them, look, it's a big change. It, it is. A big change. It yeah. is. And it's hard. Hard. Yeah. And I, I feel like you have to recognize and acknowledge, hey, this is hard. I get it. Mm-hmm. I completely get it. You're not failing if you don't get this right. And hey, every bit of progress is progress still. If I pushed you on a third thing, I think I could guess what it is. Sleep. Uh, there'd be a third and a fourth. Mm-hmm. Sleep and stress coordinate yeah, so stress, much. That. Sleep is an indication of stress. Mm-hmm. And it's in that pyramid that I talk about for a lot of people, uh, what I put in that trickle down point that affects everything in the system and robs the battery while you're trying to repair your body. It's usually sleep disorders or stress that's impacting your sleep. Mm-hmm. If your cortisol levels are going crazy, your body literally can't heal. We even see it down to the point of this short term to long term memory conversion happens when those cortisol levels are within certain ranges. And so so often if I do run a hormone test and I do run cortisol, which I don't do that for everybody, if it's not going to change the plan, I'm not going to spend $400 of your money on a test I don't think you need right now. We'll frequently see crazy hormone levels, crazy cortisol going all over the place. And they're, you know, so often it's, well, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know why I can't lose this weight or I don't know why I can't get my sleep patterns right. And their cortisol is crazy. Like stress is the number one thing that we really need to work on. I mean, if you really look at how often we're on Facebook and Instagram and checking emails and, and just speaking from my own life, like two o'clock in the morning, I'm trying to finish up charts and I'm going to get a couple hours of sleep and then act like tomorrow's going to be different Mm -hmm. after I did that. Like it's, we're so busy chasing that rabbit all the time. We're, we're really just killing ourselves. And it's, it's crazy that we literally, think this is we're normal. literally just killing ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got a lot of folks in our area that listen. We have a lot of folks outside of our area that mm-hmm. listen. If for folks in our area, if they want to learn more about you, do you have a website or something you could we send do. them to? We do. Um, right now the website is www.ladonna.com rocha naturopath.com 
Um, we're in the process of making some big changes that really are, are going to be really exciting in the in the health and holistic community in general. Um, so we'll have some new stuff rolling out, but we'll always connect it back to that website. Someone doesn't live here and they want to look into a naturopath in their area. Where do you even begin? Same thing. They, they can actually contact us through the website. Um, we see patients virtually a lot. Um, we have figured out really quickly that Corpus isn't quite as ready for natural health as mm-hmm. some of the other areas are. So we shifted our, our practice to be able to serve a wider dynamic nice. of people. Um, so that was really tricky. And it was funny because you guys even said on the podcast recently that it's like, you know, Corpus wants these great things as long as nothing changes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I laughed when I heard that. I was like, yep, that's like the story of my life right now. LaDonna Rocha Naturopath.com. Yep. Well, hey, while we're in this intellectual vibe, why don't you kick over a question that we can deep dive into? Aislinn, it's LaDonna's favorite part of the show. <laughs> Yay! Random question of the week. Show her the box. We literally pull a card out of the box. I've seen behind the scenes now. <laughs> Aislinn, I'll go to you first with this one. And then, LaDonna, we're coming to you. What personality trait has gotten you in the most trouble? <sighs> LaDonna gets to answer this one first. (laughs) What personality trait has gotten you in the most trouble? This is a perfect question for us, by the way. You and I are are interesting personalities. I think the thing that attracted us to each other first the most at the farmer's market is that we have personality traits that, um, what's the word specifically that... Has gotten you in the most trouble. Yeah, we we have personality traits that get us in trouble. The desire to be the center of attention, not understanding that the path to get to the center of attention can be both positive and negative. The negative part is the one that gets me in the most trouble. Over-talking, stealing attention. Yeah. That's mine. Oh, okay. Well, this is, I was like, I'm not going to talk about this because that'll weird people out. Um, but it's there, there it is. I I am all of me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that really unnerves people. But to me, parts a huge, huge part of my personality and the part of me that interacts with the outside world is very, here's who I am. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's very unapologetic. Um, it's good natured. I, I tell people I'm a good person. I'm not a nice person. Those two are not the same thing. Um, I'm very good hearted. I have good intentions. I want to help you. I want to help your body heal. I want you to be happy and all these things. And I want to cry when I see you cry, but you'll probably never see that because it's that outside hard candy shell where it's like, why are you fussing? This is, uh, I'm fixing the problem for it. And it's that mad scientist kind of brain where I take it all apart and that's a lot for people sometimes. And so when I feel like I'm like, I'm shining a light on it, what are you fussing about? And especially in a religious context, um, I think it really unnerves people that somebody like me will speak very plainly on things and be able to back it up and be able to say, that's not what he said at all. And the fact that you're using that that way is probably not making him super happy right now. And uh, I see people struggle with that because what they believe has become their little safe cape. And when I start pulling at that cape saying, uh, you might Mm want to look at the root word Mm -hmm. behind that. Mm -hmm. That's not really what that means, or that's not what that does in your body. Um, That makes them a little bit nervous. And so sometimes that's a little, it comes across cold and acute and very sharp. 
and they don't realize that I'm like, I'm trying to help you. Like, yeah. do you understand that that misunderstanding is making you sad and, and robbing your relationships? Like I'm trying to help you. And, and my husband says, yeah, but your face doesn't look nice while you say it. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. So, so yeah. my RBF and me coming across very, really cut and dry on things, um, kind of puts people off sometimes. And they, they don't have that experience with me and they don't know me very well because I keep people at a distance. Yeah. You and I are very much alike in that way. Like, mm -hmm. um, the truth teller in me and I'm extremely passionate and very loud and very right. <laughs> um, and I'll just drop curse words and I just tell you Sometimes how it those is. Sometimes those are the perfect yeah. adjectives. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I think that I, it's the truth teller in us. I mean, do, that's you, the, do you say what I say? Um, it's not mean if it's true. I, that's always kind of my thing. I'm like, why are you mad? It's true. Why do you sideways glance at me? Yeah. I, I don't even think that I'm as like eloquent as you are about it. I think I'm just like extremely intuitive and I know things. Right. And because I know things, I don't even always know how to explain why I know things. I right. just know things. Yeah. And so then I go out there and tell people things. And then I'm either too passionate about it or I'm too honest about it or I'm too loud about it or I'm too hippie about it. I'm too, I'm too much. Well, and you, you probably trigger fear in people. And it's oh, not that, yeah. and I'm seeing so much that fear is such a big problem for us. Anything different, it, it it can be the best answer. It can be the, the golden ticket to what you're trying to accomplish. But if you trigger that fear button for them, you you just lost your time because it's... So, Anthony, your answer, it. if I understand it, is what personality trait has gotten you in the most trouble? It's all of the above. <laughs> yeah. I'm just too much. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. <laughs>